Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. That there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? Welcome to our season finale. Fall comes, man. Y'all got to get it all. We, hey, we gonna bring it all though. Yes, that's what it is. This entire episode is gonna be based on our joy and the things that we love. Yo, so, who the fuck is you? I would go by Amin Drew Law, aka Amin TMK, aka the coolest. The, I don't. Hang on, I lost my AKs. <laughs> Damn, usually I'm on one. I'll, but it, we'll do it in post. We'll fix it in post. There we go. There we go. Who is Judo? Yo, I am the motherfucking mole man, also known as a little tanky that could, also known as a wish a little motherfucker would, also known as that intellectual dude that came up in the hood. What? Yeah, you, you killed that, man. Thank yeah, you. 10. Are you ready? To- let's do it. All right, let's, tr- let's treat ourselves. This is the greatest sandwich I've ever made. Is it glowing? You guys want some? It's cool, man. I know you want to eat the whole thing, and I'm cool with that. Thank you. You know, i, I just been thinking about, like... Uh, how often we're like on it and we're doing research and we're right. you know right right before we get to do a podcast where we're sending each other video check out this article check out this video you know from the information that I've been getting back from everybody it's I think people really just enjoy our dynamic and yeah. just sort of enjoy our like kind of swaggy nature if I could be so bold it also made me think of like you know we're not just talking heads we have come to so many of these realizations because of our like artistic ability or our just natural desire to find experiences and find truths. Not only are we doing a podcast, we are we wear many hats as our uh, Leo nature shines through as it should. What projects are you working on? What are you proud of? What are you excited of? I want to hear about Mo Man. I want to know what the not on the podcast Mo Man is doing in his life. And I want you to brag on yourself. I feel like I'm in a good place. I mean, I feel like I got a gang of motherfuckers that I really fuck with on, on, a, heavy, on a high level that are all succeeding in the, the, the wildest way. Ways that we could have never even imagined. To say nothing of the love of what we're building up in this community. I feel like I'm writing some of the best poems I've ever written. You know, I feel very connected to what I am trying to do. Being the embodiment of that shit, you know? I'm working on a couple of manuscripts and them shits is popping. Every day they feel a little bit closer to like what I want to see in the world. And when I hit y'all with it, I'm gonna hit you in the fucking head. So please believe. It's time to go do the thing. Go do the fucking thing. Can I, like, this dude over here, he wants to start like the, a poetry picnic. This this summertime. Oh, we gonna make that happen. If you on a podcast, especially if you in DC, reach the fuck out. We gonna make this happen, man. Yo, that's facts. And like, okay, so I I don't think we've been mentioning this. You can still hit us up on Exit the Matrix Podcast at gmail.com. Man. If you want information on the poetry Poetry in the Park picnic. Yeah, poetry in the park. This dude over here been planning it, man. Have you have you thought about like getting back into the slam scene at all? Or not slam scene. Have you thought about getting back into the performance poetry world? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like 
that's one of the great advantages. So many people that came from that fucking world is having great success right now, and I got love for them. Bro, you know what's what your resume? Well, can you swag out your resume real quick? Just your a little poetry. bit, man. Because you know, I'm even... life with a paper. Right, yeah. right, right, right. So, like, you know what I'm saying? All y'all know, I came up all over, grew up in the South Side, lived off, and you know what I'm saying? But I've been all through the South, not just the South Side, right? It's like, been up, in, I came up in fucking Louisiana, came up in Mississippi, came up in fucking Arkansas. So, like, when I came on as a fucking adult, when I came out as a fucking artists like one of the things that we did was built community not just on a little rock level but like all around the motherfucking south man this shit was stitched up and hemmed up like a motherfucking skirt when people talk about the chitlin circuit if you think about how hard the chitlin circuit is as a fucking musician make that shit times 10 as a fucking poet not to say it's easy to come up as a poet nowhere but it's a lot of publishers in new york city I feel like I rock with Crit so hard because I understand that struggle. Of how, being, how difficult it would be to come from Mississippi. Right? Like, or Little Rock, Arkansas. You know what I'm saying? Like, to be the best poet in your state for, like, years. You know what I'm saying? Always cats coming at the throne, but always finding a way to keep yourself relevant. And, like, not just being an artist, but going out there and building a community to allow other people to get their voice on. And try to do that in a way that maximizes the voices of people that are disenfranchised. That's how the fuck I came up. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't speak on that shit a lot, but if you in the fucking South and you a poet, you know me. It's been pretty incredible, man, just your story and, and how you've ended up in the place that we are in today. You know, like, right. all the different things that, like, we had to go through to bring this podcast to you. All the the pitfalls that we ran into and, and just, like, all of the experiences that we've had to accumulate over the years of, like, you were talking about, you know, being in the South, starting your poetry career. And, like, I, I can only imagine we were talking about, God, we were talking about um, show promoters and stuff. Right. Like, sometimes, man, when you get into a venue and they promise you, like, a hundred dollars like bro you need that money you like, need that fucking you're, you're money. thinking okay a hundred dollars is gonna get me maybe some gas it's gonna allow me to eat and it's gonna you know what i mean get like, me to the next fucking gig maybe I, i'm hoping i'm gonna sell some merch but you never know if they feeling your shit but they might not be feeling your shit and at least you got a hundred dollars and you know sometimes a meal you know a lot right. of times they get you a meal. right so when you step in and it's like only 22 people in there and you ain't sell no merch, you right. know, make maybe you sold two books or you sold right. two CDs or two shirts or whatever it may be that you and then the 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 club promoters are like, Man, we only had 22 people today, man. So, uh, would it be cool if I just I, I only can get you uh 50? And you like, you gotta figure out, are we gonna go to the killing floor like right now? Like, are we gonna burn this nigga down? Like, bitch, yeah. I need that hunted. Do I want to do I want to just do I a want to burn this bridge, man? Which sometimes you, you you shouldn't care about, but B is like, yeah, like, do I have to really go there? And even then, right? Understand it should be experiential, man. Like, not to even get too deep off into it, but I remember when I was coming up as a young fucking poet in Arkansas, there was this there was this venue in Hot Springs, which was like an hour away from where the fuck I lived. It had been run by poets for a long time, you know what I'm saying? But they transitioned them out, and literally the people that replaced. Poets was a fucking retired cop who wanted to try her hands at fucking art. By and large, this person treated white people real fucking nice. But like every story I had, so like now you going in and you telling the white poets they're supposed to be down down south and shit. Yo, this person ain't fucking good people. And they like, oh, but this person always been good to me and shit. This is the real yeah. shit we used to have to come up with in the fucking south, man. 
Because it sort of makes you realize your own privilege, right? Absolutely. And nobody wants to acknowledge that then shit. That, right. Especially white people ain't trying to do nothing like that. But when you succeed in the fucking face of all yeah, that Yeah, all hate, of that. You know what I'm saying? That's why, like, ain't no way to be but to be infamous by that time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, like, that's definitely a word that follows me everywhere. The it's motherfucking a, infamous moment. Yeah, you know, you are infamous. I'm an anti-hero than a motherfucker, bro. That's true. You are an anti-hero. Everybody want to love Logan and shit, but then you meet Logan, it's like, damn, I think this nigga might stab <laughs> And you're right. And your facts, man. Yeah, them claws come out at any time. <laughs> yeah, what about so, you, man? Tell me I, about what's popping with I you. you. I knew you was going to ask. You know, I, I don't like talking uh, I don't talk, talking nice about I like to I'm talk doing, about you know? my homies, man. I don't really like to talk no, about you're right, me. You're right. But I, no, I put it in there specifically because... Um, my homie HL, like she was able to, like, you know, one of the most talented human beings on the fucking face truly, of the earth, truly on, on the face of, and just like a person that I've, like, you know how you just know somebody for so long that they, right. they, or like not known somebody for so long that you've known somebody so much is like not an artist or it's like someone who never like saw you on a the stage. They just right. knew you as a person before anything else, and there's just a different like intricacy to like your relationship because they see you much more as like just my friend than right. as like you know they get to see you things. when you're not on right facts and like we're pretty much on a lot right right <laughs> you know what was that phrase you had uh you were you and each other you and each other were talking about it that day it's like oh, man, it was like shit. a person likely oh yeah what was it narps and tarps yeah. Is that it? Was that Narps yeah. Narps and Tarps. Tar- Break right. down Narps right. and Tarps. So this will be for the dictionary. Okay. Right. Yeah, perfect. Of course. Let's say somebody that is a a friend of yours. You know what I'm saying? That basically lives a pretty gen- not generic life, but like a status quo situation. So let's say. Let me think of somebody that is like that I know. A schmegular like, uh, or okay. a schmumpkin? No, no, no. They don't always have to be schmegulars or schmumpkins. Got you. But they're totally different. But that's another. Damn, we're really getting involved here. Okay. Yeah. All right, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me slow it down. Uh, a tarp. Shit. I can't use anybody that I actually know because they might right. be to. Okay, let's say I have a homie I grew up with. Okay, homie I grew up with in school. I know he's not listening to this. Uh, you know, he was really into being um, a mechanic. Uh, he got his certification in uh, dealing with, you know, mechanics or cars or I don't know what you would call it, uh, like a technician. He got married at like 24. He now has three kids. He lives in suburban Maryland. And one of his biggest hobbies is making customized remote control cars that go like, you know, like 100 miles an hour. Now, if I were to say you, you heard that story. Does that sound like a real person to you? Yeah, mostly. Okay. So a tarp is totally a real person. That person sounds like a real person. Now, let me explain my roommate Pages to you. And you have to pretend like you don't know him at all. Yeah. Uh, my roommate, his name is Pages. He is a Cameroonian poet and writer who is currently working with HBO. He wears three-piece suits basically every day. Speaks if, what? How many languages? He speaks five languages. Five. He is the three-time DC Grand Slam champion. He is a um, erotic poet and a, I would just say, like, in the in the life. And, uh, he basically tours the country and, you know, speaks and does poetry and, you know, works with young people does that sound like a real person to you? No. It doesn't sound like a real person. It sounds like not a real person, which right. is what It's the kind of person is. you read about in a book, but it's like, eh, no one's really all of this. Right. So, but this nigga is. Facts. So tarps are just totally a real person. Like somebody that you know follows kind of a status quo doesn't mean they're a good person. 
doesn't mean they're a bad person. doesn't mean they're uninteresting. It just means they sound like a person that exists. But then you talk about someone like Icho and it's like, if I found out tomorrow this person popped off as a comedian, it wouldn't surprise me. As a singer, it wouldn't surprise me. As an actress, it wouldn't surprise me. As a poet, it wouldn't surprise me. As a personality in general. It wouldn't su- right? So, like, how in the fuck can a person be dope on that many levels? And it's like, oh, no, it totally makes sense that this person is at the fucking Oscars right now. Right. So, Narps and Tars. Well, I hope I did a good job explaining you it. You did, but you know what you did do? What you did. You still never talked about the shit you're doing. All right. Well done. Um, I think that it's important to talk about when it comes to, like, the things that are on my mind, like, Something that I've been doing and something that I am doing is this podcast. And that has really helped me over the last, I don't know, five. Because it's basically been a year we've been planning to do yeah. this. You know what I'm saying? So this has been giving me yeah, a lot Yeah, we of- met in Georgetown to like really kind of break. Like, bro, when the fuck do me and you go to Georgetown? When you suggested, <laughs> do- when you want to suggest some bougie shit, like getting some macaroons. It's, it's you, man. How did we end up in Georgetown? Yeah, we did, man. We went in Georgetown and like <laughs> we're at some booze that bu- bougie ass grocery store, man. Being DeLuca, man. They still ain't had no vegetarian options. That's why I knew yeah, that they were some bougie shit. When you go to, <laughs> when you go somewhere and everything costs nineteen dollars and none of it's vegan, you're oh, like, yo, you're dealing around you're you're really dealing with white <laughs> opulence here. Um, but yeah, man, we started that. So like this, pro- I want to just give this project like how much honest work this has been. Like us, like, really Facts. trying to be genuine and really trying to like doing this and not having really an idea. I guess we did have an idea what we wanted to do, but it just became what it was supposed to be the whole time. Like yep. we allowed the universe to come to bring it together. So A, I've been working on that. I'm gonna continue to work on that. We are going we are going on break, but we're not gonna stop working. Like yep. there's a lot of things that we have. Gotta get rid for sake second season. Facts, facts. So number that's the number one thing. Wanted to give that is space and it's time. Number two is I'm working on an album which I've been working on basically for a year and a half that's now. That's gonna be fire. Um I thank you my friend. I'm Basically, taking a lot of the time that I'm going to be using, you know, to work on the album is, is time that I've been working on the podcast, you know. So, like, I'm now going to be able to take that break, finally finish it. I'm having, I'll just go ahead and announce it now. I'm doing a double EP. <laughs> that makes sense. It's going to be 10 songs, five songs on each EP. The title of the first album is Ronald Reagan Was a Drug Dealer. Yeah. And uh, the second title is Sex and the Revolution. So I'm very excited about both of those projects, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to bring those to you by the time the next podcast season is here and ready to go. You know, we're, I'm still working on poetry. Like, we're ready to come back into the poetry world. People are like, oh, do you still do that? I will always be a poet always. until the day that I die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yo, so those are the skills that we have, right? When you're talking yes. about like totally not a real person, which is kind of who we're uh, we're like totally kind of not, right? If you could, is all the things that you can do, tell me something that you can't do that if you could, you wish you could do. Oh, man. Like, you know how, okay, you know how like in mixed martial arts, you may come in and instead of spending six years on Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, spending six years at Muay Thai, spending all this, you kind of learn all of them, you kind of learn all of them together. So you learn the best techniques of wrestling. You learn the best uh, techniques of sambo. You learn the best techniques of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like all of these things because that's what you're doing to. Mm -hmm. You're going into mixed martial arts. So you learn a little bit of that at the time. It's a very specific thing. That's how I kind of want to learn about gardening. Mm. I want to learn about how I can maximize 
the amount of food that I can grow and then how I can bring it into the kitchen and how I can cook it and create large meals for people, you know? Yeah. It's not just selling somebody sweet potatoes, but selling somebody just an entire, you know, like a pie or something like that. Like literally taking it from growing it into, um, you know, in the food cre- service. Right. And direct, you know how they say like farm to farm table. Farm to table. Yeah. Yeah. But like not on some like profit shit at a restaurant, like some shit that I could just do in my backyard. Yeah. And like, you know, they have this thing called um, a cottage business license. Which means you can sell things out of your crib. That would be dope as so, shit. So just to have like a little... That would be nice. Uh, you know, like if I had some land, something I could just grow a bunch of stuff there, and I would work at it every day, you know, just learn the best practices of creating something. Like you always uh, talk about heirloom seeds. Like that's yeah. something that I've been looking into. Like having seeds that are not so genetically modified and have so many different viable. sequences that there's still something that I can grow, and they give seeds. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I can I can plant these seeds, and then when I get the um, you know apples or I get whatever it is the eggplant, like I will be able to plant more of that. So it's like I'm not spending time and money on seeds, and I'm growing things the way that they should be growing. And I like have the time to go out and like check my plants and not use these chemicals because I've learned all of this and I have the time. It's not based off of capitalism. It's just based off what I want to do. And those skills, like in a mixed martial arts way, I would love to learn that. I like it, man. I like what it. What about you, my friend? Well, I think the one thing that we have in common is uh, is both a, a desire of sustainability, but mine is a little bit more outlandish because... You're outlandish. There we go. Like, so for me, I want to learn to be a captain on a clipper ship. A big fucking sailing ass 50-sail fucking ocean vessel clipper ship on top of that i want to be a captain with a fucking falcon or a hawk that i have trained to sit on my fucking shoulder and fetch fish from the ocean whoa so i'm anywhere in the world with my shit on my shit like a fucking little pirate captain with a fucking golden eagle on my shoulder or on my arm that could bring me motherfucking ocean farmed fucking salmon that would be the greatest NARP story of all time. Yeah. Also, what does your friend do? Uh, my friend is a captain on a ship. And a just, wind-powered uh, ship. He fishes using a hawk that he has trained on his shoulder. Yeah, and he has an eye patch. You know, I do need an eye patch, yeah. bitch. I'm just, I'm, th- I'm just. Only the money is preventing me from becoming a pirate and living my best life. We should look for <laughs> a tire and accoutrement for you because yeah. you're gonna need that as a uh, captain. There we you go. didn't say pirate. I, I, I took you to pirate, but let's I, just say I captain. won't be a pirate. But I'm, I'm not be... saying I won't be a pirate. Pirate esque. Right. You, you might, yeah, you might. You might I can see why that. people would question. Is this nigga a pirate? <laughs> what are you looking forward right, to right, this right, summer, right, man? Right. Yeah, you know, like I'm a purist. He's not a pirate. You know what I mean? Only the only the schmegglers think he's a pirate. Okay, this is what I'm looking to forward to. First of all, I'm looking for this. Uh, I'm looking forward to this pirate transformation if I ever get it. There we go. But I'm definitely okay. So I have been realizing, like as of late, maybe because of Ramadan and the residual effects that you have from uh, abstaining from so many things in a month. But I've been going to bed too early. Mm. Like I've been going to bed at like ten. 30 which is absurd to me because like that's usually when shit gets jumping yeah no doubt i realize it's just because like you know when people aren't around or there's nothing to do i take my ass to bed yeah sleep is great though 
Yeah, that's what they say. I I, I, I hear you on that. I think nah, sleep man, is great. I hated naps as a kid. Bitch, I would love naps now. That's that that's yeah. the shit. Like when we talk about like why we gotta look at things that other cultures are doing and not just assume American culture is the greatest. The whole concept of siesta in fucking Spain, where like niggas take the middle of the fucking day off and shit. Like I'm gonna come back to work, but nigga, I'm gonna go home, take a little power nap and shit, and come back. Now nah, that's be I mean Fuck. We live in fucking late stage <laughs> are capitalism. You fucking kidding? That'd be the, great. The rights of the American worker are nil to no doubt. Oh, so what you want to get about? fired is what you're saying. You want to, yeah. You are Could you, quitting. I, I had a situation where one of my very good friends, I'm not going to say her name, was telling me that she was coming into work and she was saying that she's going to be a little bit late because she had to change her oil. So she was going to be 30 minutes late. And she drives her car for work. So she called in early in the morning was like, hey, I'm going to be about 30 minutes late. I'm just getting this stuff, you know, situated. And it was like, if you don't come in, like you will be fired. And it's like, how are we in a situation where an employee literally can't just call? It's not like she needs to be there at 10 o'clock for any particular reason. It's how this is how order right becomes an oppressive institution. Right. Why are you being oppressive? Like this is not I just didn't show up. It's like I'm going to be late. Yeah. That's what's up. Uh, What we well. So. Oh, so this is the thing when I got I, I wanted to bring this back with sleep. So this is how I feel about sleep. I do not and will not ever wake up early anymore like that's not gonna be a part of my narrative because it makes me incredibly depressed and i can't go through my day when i'm so tired so i know your bitch ass gotta wake up in the morning and go to your academia institution man i wake up you already know this man niggas think they hate me you motherfuckers have never had to wake up with me at 7 a.m because bitch i am a ray of sunshine all right it's a new fucking day let's go conquer the universe we come on have, come yeah. on get up you ready let's go let's go let's go yeah. let's go get this fucking bread bro that's, let's get this cake bro that's, that's how we let's fall conquer apart the fucking world bro we got this shit it's a new day ain't shit went wrong yet i can already hear the story right now so why i can't believe you and mo man aren't cool anymore what happened <laughs> Man, this motherfucker just woke up like every day on some fucking Sailor Moon shit, just like rainbows popping out of him. And that's not how I exist, bro. Don't talk to me until 8.30 in the morning. You know? These are true facts, bro. So, I hear and you, And this bro. is Sans coffee. God forbid you power me with caffeine. Nah, it's like that. Shit. It's like it's like the squirrel in Over the Hedge. It's like if you give this man coffee, he's going to go full Quicksilver and the world's going to slow down. And he's just going to be looking at people, like side-eyeing people like Superman and the Flash, you know? It's like... <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't you know? That's uh, the Black Phoenix, the Dark Phoenix. Suns. <laughs> the Tan Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of them Phoenixes, man. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to staying up late, man. Do you do you have anything you're looking forward to in the summer, you summertime? Know, I don't know how it's going to happen because I'm really committed to doing these classes pretty much all summer so I can get out and get bang this fucking MFA out. But I wanna, I wanna surprise myself and travel a couple of places that I haven't been, and it's not too many in this country that I ain't been. But I, I kind of want to. So, yo, if you a fucking homie and shit, and we've been talking about this shit, hit me up. We'll figure it out, man. I come and see y'all ass. That's beautiful, man. I saw one of my friends uh, the other day, my homie Tarek, and he was uh, talking about how he likes to go to places only because he likes to see people. In, What's in better places. for you? To go see your friends or to have your friends come see you? My come my friends come see me. You know, you know how I be. I'm a homebody. I like to I like to create a space that like I've literally created my living room to be a place where I feel like everyone can be comfortable in. Mm. Like my living room is like 
I keep it very clean, but I don't keep it clean enough to where it's like, oh shit, I shouldn't even touch it. It's nothing. lived in. You know, like, right. Like, yeah. you, when you step in here, you know that people are in here. It's homey. Yeah. So, like, I, that's how I feel about my living room. So, please come to me. When I go to other people's cribs, it's just not the same, man. Just come to mine. You we see have what it everything like? we need. It sound like you pleading, man. I am pleading. I'm begging. All right. Well, fuck it then. Plead with the people. All right, let's do it. Hey, give me my brother's ball back. So I have a new uh, segment that I wanted to get started, and you were gracious enough to let me do it. Um, what's it called again? <laughs> plead with the it's people. It's called plead with plead the people. Plead with the people. It's- I have this feeling and I have this moment in my life all the time where I go, is anyone else seeing this shit? And everyone's just like, that's just the way that it is, you know? I cannot accept that. So sometimes when we have conversations, it's like we're pleading what I would like to plead with you as a listener and as a contributor to this podcast is please enter into your local art scene in some capacity mm. and support local artists in some capacity. Look, my ass shouldn't even be talking. I'm talking to myself too because I sit my ass in the house all the time, but local art and like smaller art projects are so important to the fabric of art in general because at the end of the day, all this, all the ideas come from the people on the ground and then are taken by other people. How many movies do they make that are based off books? or based off video games, or based off cartoons, or based off mangas, or based off whatever. Most people in the film industry are just looking for ideas. They're not idea creators. But the problem is, is they're the the people that are making all of the money off of these great shows where these great artists are putting in this effort and not getting the same type of financial or just, yeah, just the accolades. So when you go directly to the source... Your local artist area, look, are you going to see some bad art? It's pretty likely. But are you going to see something that you have not expected? You are. And look, I would also say it's important, please, just to go down and check out what your local grassroots activist organization is doing. I know that's a little bit more difficult. But if you frequent the artistic spaces you will just end up in activist yeah, spaces. Yeah, absolutely. Check out whatever local situation, whatever you like. It could be music. I would suggest poetry. I love poetry. You know what I'm saying? A lot of dope people tend to congregate at poetry events. But if that's not your thing, something. Just don't let it be like CrossFit, you know? Like people, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I've got a CrossFit community. If you got a CrossFit community, I bet you have a lot of ginger fires in your space. You know what I'm saying? If you don't have an artistic space, if you build it, they will come. And I will be a testament to that, you know. So uh, please check out local artists. Check out woke, dope people that are not problematic, that are talking about something that is on brand with which, what you want to do as a revolutionary and as a free thinker. So I'm going to talk to you all about something that's near and dear to my heart, right? I feel like one of the things that stops so much communication, so much willingness to to innovate right is the people jump to these labels right and even you know i tease like oh the little tanky they could right because you know there's a lot of there's a lot of fucking elements and things that i've read you know that are interesting to me but like i say again it's super important to avoid affiliation with labels because labels you're bound you're bound now to what that is and this is why like i think it's better to have ideals right have ideals that you believe in because 
if you believe in these ideals, then the people that share a label with you can never manipulate you. Uh, I believe in the ideal, not necessarily this label. I believe in this concept, not necessarily this label. And, and what, what, where that becomes really important is like when you think about like, I don't consider myself a liberal, right? Because liberals believe a certain subset of things. I don't consider myself a conservative because conservatives as a group all believe a certain set of things. I believe things, I, there are some beliefs that I have that, that uh, are closer to what people consider conservatism. I have some views that are closer to what people consider liberalism. But by but if I call myself a conservative, right, these are the things I got to believe in or I'm not a real conservative. If I say I'm a liberal, these are the things I got to believe in or I'm not a real liberal. What's more important is they flip that. They subvert the trope. Well, if you're a liberal, you got to do this thing because this person is a liberal. And if you believe in those things, then you have to believe in this liberal. And, and I see a big distinction in between that. Like, for example, a, a, constant, a, a concept that liberals believe in is harm reduction. Harm reduction sounds like a wonderful thing. Let's say you live in a city and 100,000 people get shot. Uh, harm reduction would be, you know, over the course of your policies and good governance that over the next three years now, instead of 100,000 people being shot or 10,000 people being shot, only 100 people are shot. To a liberal the harm reduction, that's incredible. That's a perfect society. A place you can pat yourself on the back and Look be proud Look at what of. I did. I, only a thousand people got shot, right? Whereas I believe in harm elimination or threat elimination. If people being murdered is a problem, which, you know, it is, I want to create a society where no murders happen. And it is conceptually possible, just not under the premise of harm reduction because harm reduction only ever seeks to lessen problems as opposed to eradicate them. And this is why, like, you know, a liberal can look at me and be like, well, how come you can't be for someone like an Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, right? It seemed like I'd just be picking on y'all racist grandpa a lot. Who are you looking at? (laughs) (laughs) Right? And it's like, nah, these people are classic harm harm, harm reduction liberals. Her foreign policies is garbage. I mean, she thinks Netanyahu's a stand-up dude. Like, how can I be excited about a person? She's a capitalist. You know, she's like, no, 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 that, that wasn't her. That was Elizabeth Warren. No. Oh, who you talking about? No, uh, Nancy Pelosi said that. No, no, she said it too. Oh, I'll, well, I'll play you the video you after this. Wow. Well, there you she go. She said that someone that was she was talking to. I'm so sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. See, Just I need that. You real brought- quick, it was like either MSNBC or some conversation it was having, and she was like, you know, the, the interviewer saying, oh, you have a lot of socialist uh, things, or you have uh, a socialist stuff, and she's like, no, 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 I'm a capitalist. You don't think capitalists are bad people? I'm a capitalist. It's not to attack a, a system on its on its own, right? But it's to look at the fact that based upon the definition of what capitalism is, there have to be winners. There have to be losers. That's not sustainable. That's inherently oppressive. The reduction is just like, I'm oppressive light. Right. I only want a thousand people to starve, right? We shouldn't have a hundred thousand people to starve. That's just just inhumane. But if a thousand, you know, we're doing good. We should have health care for people who work. Right. You know, everyone who works should get health care, but uh, there's lots of reasons why people can't work up to and including we live in a society where not everybody is given an opportunity to work for lots of reasons. There was something that you said that was really poignant, man. You touched on a few things. I just want to co-sign them, if I may. The first thing was just talking about like criminals and like what, what it means to be a criminal and what it means to like go to jail and go to prison is like 
mainly circumstantial. Getting killed or killing someone is a circumstantial thing. So instead of looking at, oh, we're reducing the amount of murders that exist, you reduce the reasons that make people murder people. Absolutely. And all of that is connected, right? And so this is what I'm saying. Like, this is why I don't rock behind, like, well, if you're a liberal, you have to vote for this person or you should be for this person. Because I'm still looking at the policies that I believe in, which go way beyond a liberal mind state. But if I call myself a liberal, I have to do these liberal things. There were people that were literally lambasted. Well, you're not a liberal. You didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. Bruh, Hillary Clinton's not a liberal. One, but two, a lot of the views that she have are violently diametrical to the well-being of people who look like me. Who you are as a person, bruh. It's like I have a conversation with someone and it's like, well, if you don't vote for this person, then this person will win, which is a conversation that's always had. But it's like di- something diametrically opposed. Like if you're pro-Israel, how am I supposed to? She may be more pro She may be more pro-Israel than Netanyahu, bro. Yeah, she's certainly more than the current president. No, absolutely. So what I'm saying is how could I, not on a political level, just on a humanity level, bring myself as a Palestinian man to vote for Hillary Clinton. And if you can't catch intersectionality, which is a lens that I, right. is very important to understand, you can't catch why it's impossible for me to embrace that I, that ideology. Right. And, and also, right, you're not working from the framework of a binary. So lack of support for Hillary does not mean de facto or even or implicit advocation for someone like like Donnie J. Those things are not the same thing. Like we understand lack of binaries in so many other aspects of our life, but we refuse to take that 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 type of nuance to our political thinking, which only serves at the benefit of the people that will exploit you. Because all they have to do is not be this other label, the label that I mean, it's literally why I joke about it being like if I didn't join the Bloods and the Crips. Why would I join the Democrats and the Republicans? Like, it's the same gang shit that I've seen my whole fucking life, you know, coming up where the fuck I came up. One, one more thing, just to also to piggyback, because you're brilliant, man. Thank you, bro. I love Thank, you. I love you too, man. We're, we're out here creating real good narrative. I think what's interesting is a lot of times we won't have had a conversation, but because of the podcast, you're able to bring out some, like, some shit that you've been right. thinking on, right. which is exactly what I've been thinking on. So when you were saying ideals... Like, I know the context you were using, like, kind of a step up is, like, an ideology is, like, all ideas that you have to follow. Right. But, so what happens is, is I think the same thing about being a label is, like, the same thing that happens when you're an ideologue. Like, you have to believe in these certain set things. But that's why I think it's important to learn more about philosophy. Because philosophy is, like, this is the way that I see it. This is the way that, this is what I've experienced in my life. Now you experience it through your lens because we all have different experiential truths. I think getting out of ideologies in general was what allowed me to be more on a revolutionary mindset. Absolutely. And and of course, right, the words are connected, ideology, ideologue, and idea. But I think there is a different framework in that. I think about um, it's a joke of a movie, but it was a brilliant fucking scene in Dogma. We're like uh, <laughs> the 13th apostle yeah. is talking to uh, the last scion. And uh, he's like, I don't think people should have beliefs. Beliefs, people live for them. People die for them. People are willing to kill for them. An idea, idea is just something you can change. An idea is change. 
ideas can change as as new knowledge becomes presented you know as more as better systems come online as better ideas come into contact if you're just in it for ideas as you hear a better idea you still have the 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 flexibility the fluidity to shift and become like like bruce lee man be like water man ideas should flow they shouldn't be rigid i mean i totally agree i think like the king speech man there's just so many different iterations of it that like it's all context-based so i totally hear you how like idea can be split up into mean so many different kinds of things but i think the last thing and we can move on after this i think what's important about like having a revolutionary mindset or just being revolutionary in a way is like here are ideas that through my travels and through my life when i look only for truth here are all the answers all around the world that i found i'm not i understand that the world because people usually say things like that's not the way the world works i totally get it i totally understand the intricacies of why the matrix exists when I'm being a revolutionary and I'm giving you my ideas, it's just me putting everything on the table. I'm not trying to hide where I think we should go next. I'm saying this is where I think we need to end up. And anything that doesn't serve the purpose of ending up in a utopia is not a policy that I'm interested in. Absolutely. So that's why right. Why would I ever care about pain or oppression reduction? Because it does not bring me to a utopian point. Right. As crazy as that is to think species is if we move forward and, and come into that. So anyway – no, I, no, no, I absorb no. everything you're saying, bro. It's, it's you know, and just following up with that, man. I was thinking about you know all of the me and you were talking about this earlier. All of the people that are wilding out over fucking Mortal Kombat's fucking Jack's ending, where he goes back and finds a way to create a utopia that did not involve slavery. Right. Because what's the common knowledge? America is great because of slavery. Right. Even though slavery happened, it was unfortunate. Those people had to be enslaved so that we could have the greatness that we are. Right. With the assumption that it is great for everybody or that it can't even be greater. Right. Whereas the utopia concept is like with Jacks, he found a way to make sure it specifically even says. Right. And the world was better for everyone, everyone, maybe you come at trade, you you come at it from a point of view from 500 years ago, 600 years ago, 1,000 years ago, however the fuck far back you got to go, where trade is going to be something that cultures do to make other cultures better, not to deplete the assets of one culture at the expense of another. Because like, it's unnecessary. Right? You know what we really love here in, in, in Lebanon? We love, we love these cedar trees. We got the best cedar in the world. But you know what you don't got? Cedar and motherfucking in Hongshu, China. But y'all got silk. Yo, we gonna shoot you these best fucking timber in the world. Y'all send us the best fucking fabric in the world. And we're not gonna exploit each other. We're gonna give each other up. We're gonna give your fucking culture these cedar. We're gonna trade and get this marble from fucking Rome. And we're gonna send Rome the best fucking cedar in the world. Right? Seeing all of these cultures as having things that they can trade of value because they see value in those cultures. That's why it's important, even as a <clears throat> privileged person, to like, like, that's why allyship is so important. Because everybody has to be able to be included. Because if not, you're not going to get the benefits of all different types of human beings. And different types of human beings exist and they create different types of things because that's just what cultures do. Exchanging cultures and exchanging things are important. And because oppression destroys so many people. That like it doesn't allow to, uh, us to have like that utopian like society, you know, because it is so based off demographics and things that really don't matter, but have it like existed for so long that we give them like that they, you know, that we give them tangibility when they're really just like ideas that we could just stop believing in because they're not true. Right. Now ask yourself, 
two questions. One, is the life you're living the best possible life that you could be experiencing? And then two, are you capable of sustaining that life without hurting others? So like probably you're not having the best possible life you could have. There are things that your life would be better at and you maybe if those things were better, is your pathway for making them better harming someone else? Right. Because if not, think up a new path. There is a way for you to have a better world and there's a better world that you can have that doesn't come at the expense of someone else. That's what we're trying to get on. Yeah. And microaggressions are important in that, too. Facts. Like, just because you're not out here, like, you know how you watch, like, whatever movie, and it's like, oh, the first all-black volleyball team, you know, and it's some guy, and he's like, there are black people shouldn't play volleyball. And it's like, I look, I get that that's win, blatant. And then they win, and it's, yeah, well, it's only because they're black, you know. Yeah. Those well, what, people were bred to <laughs> physical prowess. I'm not going to say how it happened, but I am going to say they were fucking slaves. Yeah. And it's our and the credit is ours. All right, man. We did. We This was work. We did some work here. We play with y'all. We love y'all. Let's stop. Please, are you mad because I'm styling on I better get on So I have just been thinking about... Um, the dumpster, I don't even know if it's a dumpster fire. I, what's worse than a dumpster fire? Oh, man. I, uh, I don't know. Dumpster fires are great metaphors because they're dangerous. They smell. They're You know, it's scary. actually, <clears throat> it's, you know what it is? It's a mini nuclear power surge that literally getting next to it is radioactive and you will die. Mm. Like, this is what Dark Phoenix is. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is where I was going with it. And I just think about like how sometimes something is so bad that we can all come together and just say, you know what? Nope. I, nope. I refuse. And it's made like – It's a world peace moment, bro. Yeah. The whole world. Look, Republicans, Democrats, people that avoid labels, we've all come together to say Sansa Stark killed the X-Men. It's a, I mean it's bad. It's bad. So what, what I was thinking is, you know, there's been this new, I would just say like subculture of people who make a living making fun of or correcting movies, right? Mm. Like like my job is to point out why this sucks. So I was just thinking about using our ultimate super smart brains tell, you know, to kind of work out what we like to see in a movie and because we have the ability to put words and language to feelings and ideas i just wanted to know what you thought about that for me i love world building right if you're not going to use the world that exists then the world you create has to be compelling and if it's unbelievable i at least need a reason why it's unbelievable right like lewis carroll horrible terrible piece of shit right created several fucking worldscapes that we'll never forget like the the world of Alice and her adventures in Wonderland. Rules don't make sense there, but I understand why. Because nonsense is the order of the day. And this is universe is based upon chaos, right? It's the inverse. Uh, and, and, and that it's like chaos bizarro is, world kind of. Right, right. And that chaos is embraced. So I can understand why there can be things like a Jabberwock. That can make sense to me, right? So if I'm watching a film, if you're not going to use the universe that exists, you're ch- making a choice. So now that choice has to be a compelling as fuck choice. You really need to spend a lot of time thinking about the choice because we're getting worlds in a lot of different ways that we didn't used to. You know, you think maybe 100 years ago, pretty much the way you were going to get a world was from a book, right? Or, you know, you went to see the world, right? But an alternative world, you were probably only going to see from a book. Now, you can get that from a book. You can get that from a movie. 
You can get that from a video game. Incredible. You can get that from a comic. We have so many more ways to experience that. You have to build it. And then the characters have to run the fucking show. It has to be people today are a good plot is important, but not nearly as important as a great world because the world doesn't necessarily have a plot that makes sense. So people can deal with so much nonsense or at least lack of logical progression as far as the universe is good, as, as long as the, the characters are believable, because we're immersed in that world and the experiences of those characters, and that's more important. That's mostly what I look like. Hey, good cinematography matters. But when you're talking about something like a Dark Phoenix, this is something whereas so much world building has to happen before we can even get there. We have to have the Shi'ar Empire. We have to get the X-Men already out in space and having, you know, connection to other cultures, other worlds. All of that has to be I would say the built. Hellfire Club is important, too. Yeah, it's critical, right? So, like, you're talking about something that's not a one-movie event. You're talking about something that's as as encompassing as what what Kevin Feige did, you know, with with the Avengers saga, Right, moving us through those first three phases. In fact, I would say he had worse material to work with than like the environment that the X Men are starting out in. That that's what I look for, man. And I knew none of that shit was gonna be there. I like to tease Sansa Stark because she is a fucking terrible actress. Sorry, Sophie Turner. I know a lot of y'all stand for her, but she's um she just doesn't do it, man. But even her, she can't take the blame fully for what happened. Everybody got to take the L. The directors take the L. Fox takes that L. All of the cast took that fucking L because somewhere someone has to be a student of the media that they're that they're emulating and be like, "Nah, this is not true to the comic. This is not true to my character, and I I won't do this." I so what you looking at, bro? What what makes a movie great for you? So I think something that all great movies that I like in common have great scores of some capacity, whether that's actual music, whether that's a score with an orchestra or a symphony or of some kind. The ability to move me, you know what I'm saying, without action, you know, like it's like sometimes when a person does a poem behind music, it has a different meaning. So I feel like cinema, music is a really good tool and also the lack of music uh, is really good too. Like in Fruitvale Station, when Oscar Grant is like passes, you know what I'm saying? It's like dead silence in the theater. That was something that's really compelling to me. I think dialogue is incredibly uh, interesting to me. It's like, I want to see interesting people. I don't necessarily always want to see people with interesting powers or interesting situation. Like, I want to see interesting people who can talk their way in and out of things. So dialogue is really important for me. Or lack of dialogue. Like in a movie like uh, No Country for Old Men, there are significant points in the movie where no one speaks but so many things are being said, show not tell situation. So I would say that is something that's important for me. And I think something that's important to me that I want the less of in my movies is CGI. I get that they're great tools. I get that we can create things that have never been created for, but it's becoming uh, it's a, like a crutch. You know, It like always stilts the actor a little bit because you're not acting against something that's happening in the real world. Like think about Game of Thrones or Daenerys. You're sitting on a riding bull. You know what I'm saying? You're dipping and you're twisting, knowing that later on in post is going to be a fucking dragon, but it ain't really a fucking dragon. And actors are doing the best that they can, but I know they're tired of it. Yeah. I know they're sitting there, whatever, those mocap balls or whatever. they. I don't even know if they got to still wear those, but it just seems like I don't mind it as an addition to an already good film, but 
I remember those Ninja Turtle movies, man. They were so bad, man. And they were just CGI fests. And something we got to put in the woke generation. There's CGI smart fests. ways to use CGI. Like, I think about, like, uh, what Weta does. I think about Lord of the Rings, where they would take a hundred fucking horsemen, right? And we're going to record these hundred fucking horsemen. And then we're going to make CGI models based off these hundred. And behind the hundred that are really filmed, we're going to CGI an army of 10,000 fucking horsemen. But nowadays, motherfuckers are just like, well, let's just CGI 10,000 horsemen. The brain needs a little bit of that reality or very close to reality to, to make it work. I feel you on that. Yeah, so something that I grew up with, and I think you probably grew up with as well, is like, animatronics in some capacity. I hated that shit, though. You don't like animatronics? No, I really... Yeah. All right, well, how about, um, how, what do they call them? Like, um, like miniatures. Yeah, you know, where, like, stop the world... motion. Yeah. yeah, maybe stop motion. But but also, like, having, like you were talking about, CGIing, you know, an entire space. A lot of times, I know in Lord of the Rings, they created a lot of no, miniatures. Right. And those are the best miniatures I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, it just seems like the technology surrounding miniatures in conjunction with the CGI situation right. would be right. much more... But it's like there's no innovation in that regard. And the last thing is like something that I want to see more in movies and something that I'm drawn to are movies about young people and movies about young people's spirits where danger is prevalent and continues to happen. Mm. Because I feel like every time we're watching like another movie like I came up with that I would love to like see replicated in some capacity is The Neverending Story. It's like here is a story about a very capable young person who is in real peril and i remember being so moved and affected about by that as a young person and i think that we need to have more representations of young people in real peril doing real things and some don't feel the, contrived the culture is kneecapping these stories right because the the propaganda the cultural propaganda is we don't ever want to see bad things happen as young people but the reality is bad things happen to fucking young people all the fucking time and our storytelling to be realistic has to has to relate that as a young black dude there were so many times i could have died in my fucking life like i wish i knew that it was always going to fucking work out but i didn't you know and so like for a story for me where like a kid is never in any real danger even even a movie that's not a tour de force right think about karate kid either one of them. with little danny larusso i wasn't always sure he was going to win he really in in a way all he got was a pyrrhic victory because they were whooping his ass the whole movie. And if we were away from the safe rules of the fucking Kodokan tournament combat, I think we all know all them Cobra Kai dudes would still whoop his ass. Like in a street fight and where you can't pull no little fucking tricks and shit. Yeah, there ain't no pauses or breaks. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, round twos. And that's what makes a movie like that still stick with you. Nowadays, yeah. bro, they would they would have that shit CGI. This motherfucker would look like Luke Kang, man, doing yeah. fucking bicycle kicks and shit. One more thing that I think is really incredible and really important and something that I want to see as movies moving forward. I think we've done a much better job as a society as putting people of color of all demographics in films to act in films. Mm. But I think this is something you know that Matt Damon made very prevalent it's like it's still a lot of the writers a lot of the people who are in the process in the background are not people of color oh shit you're talking about when he mansplained to Ava DuVernay <laughs> when we're talking about diversity we're talking about yeah like the representation and not in the background and I think what's the point, you know what I'm saying, of having all these characters of color in a movie where all the people that are in the process are not people of color. So I would like to see that more. I would like to see much more, uh, you know, people of color and, 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 you know, hopefully women of color in those spaces that are not just acting in those spaces, but are taking large lead roles. What's next? What do we got? What's on the, what's on the horizon? Well, it is our oh, final episode it is our of final the season. Episode. 
We've been teasing all season about 12 white men. Warm. The compelling Oscar dripping drama. <laughs> New York Times called it yeah, spectacular. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we got a couple of really good wins. USA Today says groundbreaking. If you could make a 12 white men movie, the Oscar, like you said, Oscar drip all over the place, who would be in your. Uh, do you want me to go first, or would you like to go first? Or do you want us to do the one from the uh, the, the best one that we saw that came in? This okay, okay, let's uh, let's give the winner. You know, so a little love. Da, 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 da. All right, so shout out to Diane Green. Diane, uh, she can't, I felt like hers was the most interesting. We had Matt Damon, Tom Cruise, Richard Gere. Oh, Richard Gere is a good one. Owen Wilson, Hugh Grant, Harrison Ford, Johnny Depp, Orlando Bloom. Oh no, Ben Affleck. Oh, Robert Pattinson, Batman. Oh, no. Benedict Humpersnatch. <laughs> Chris Evans. This is your 12 white men. With Julia Roberts playing the part of the girl. The girl. All right. Let's give it up, man. That's a little love right there. Well I thought that done, was a crazy Diane. good list on her part. That man. was a crazy, crazy good list. Uh, are you? Should I go next? I mean, it's up to you, man. All right. Okay. This is who I got. This, you want know, to so fucking crazy, bro? All right. I don't think I got a single same white person on my oh, list. Oh, shit. Can you believe that, oh, bro? Oh, all right. Let's so, see what you got. I'm excited. I'm tingling. I'm telling you, you can make 72 12 white men <laughs> movies and they'd all go differently. All right. First man, my first, my number one pick for white man is George Clooney. Oh, nice. He's going to be the main white person and okay. the main white man. White man. So we got <clears throat> Clive Owen. Nice. Okay. Paul Giamatti. Donald Sutherland. Vince Vaughn. Oh, shit. All right. How about this one for you? Let's go old school. Matthew Broderick. Oh, <laughs> he needs to work. He really does, bro. Hey, but he was a good actor. Maybe he killed Glory. Uh, I didn't see it. What? I know. Okay. All right. Any shame? You Shame me now if you need to. Oh, I'm going to shame Okay, you. all right. Matthew That's how Broderick. Denzel got on. I know. I know. I think I tried to watch it once. Yeah. Uh, all right. I got Matthew Broderick, Mickey Rourke. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. You got to have Mickey Rourke in there. Uh, I got to give uh, the OG super white, liberal white dude in here. Of course, we got to get Tommy Hanks up in there. Oh. Tom Hanks. All right. And how about this? Let's bring it all the way back. Let's get a little flavor in here. I'm putting Polly Shore in my movie. Holy shit. Got to put Polly in there. John Bethnal, who's who is plays the Punisher. Okay. 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 He's in there. He's going to be a little rugged in there. I'm going also another John, John Goodman. Oh. His ass. Uh-huh. He's getting up in there. And then do you know who my 12th who my twelfth will be your... that will finish my 12 white let me men get it, let me get it. extravaganza? In his acting debut, uh, acting debut, I will be putting Post Malone in his 12 and 12 Holy white men. Shit. Hey, look, it can't be no worse than putting fucking Justin Timberlake in everything. Yeah, and oh, and my uh, and my the girl is gonna be played by Sybil Shepherd. Oh, yeah. nice. Thank you, nice. man. I thought you might like it. That's my yeah. list. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. My list. Number one. Eddie Izzard. Who's that? Oh. Who's that? Who's it? I can't. I can't. You're going to have to Google that one. All right. Let's do it right now. Gonna, all right. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Let me know when you get it. What, fact, what, what's his name again? Eddie Izzard. All right. Who can do anything. Number two, Channing Tatum. Oh, Channing Tatum Tatum Channing. Yeah. Number two three. Two last names. Gary Oldman. John Malkovich, number four. I don't oh. know if we've ever had Gary Oldman and John Malkovich in the same movie. Yeah, John Malkovich really scares me as a white man. Yeah, man. He's one of the scariest. Yeah. Number five, Jude Law. Oh, no. Number six, 
Ian McClellan. McClellan. I don't know that. Ian McClellan. Oh, yeah. You got to say it like that. Sir, Sir Ian McClellan. Sir Ian McClellan. Number seven, James McAvoy. No. Yeah. <laughs> I just want the irony of having them two in the fucking... Yo, you're yeah. a troll-like <laughs> shit, bruh. Number eight, Val Kilmer. That was my reach back. Number nine, George Clooney. We had that in common. Number ten, Danny motherfucking DeVito. Mm-hmm. Number eleven, Matthew McConaughey. And number 12, I had this in common with uh, uh, Diane, Uh, Chris Evans. Natalie Portman plays the woman. And a bonus, we had Morgan Freeman as the inspirational Negro. He dies. But hey, we can let him die of old age and still keep the trope. This is what I think is interesting. We had basically three separate lists of 12 white men. And we had what? Maybe... We didn't have anybody across the board. Nah. And we had maybe Mm -hmm. a few... A few similar ones. That's just to tell you how ridiculous white men are existing in Hollywood. Like, these are the best that we have. And all of these films would definitely, with these lists, they they would automatically be on the... I mean, literally, if it was them farting on a fucking snare drum, (laughs) we'd hear about, like, never before have we seen such a compelling story of drama and intrigue. Because Oscars beget Oscars, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. And that's some Unless you're Leonardo shit. DiCaprio, you know. Oh, he ain't got one, he, so he can't get one. No, he did get one. Oh, did he? Yeah, he got one for The, the Revenant. Revenant. Yeah. That's it. I know. Like, it, it doesn't seem like the one he should. It, you know, it feels like just one of those that's just like, ah, I'll let him have one. I mean, I can't feel no sorrier for him than I can for Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise at this point is just being screwed for being a Scientologist. Let's run it down the list, bro. Uh, fucking Rain Man. Incredible film. The Last Samurai. Weird flex, but great fucking film. Fucking, what was the other one? Uh, Eyes fucking, Wide Shut, man. Eyes Wide Shut. Jerry fucking Maguire. Yeah, Jerry Maguire. Oh, yeah. So it's hard to feel All sorry. All the Mission Impossibles. Well, them shits ain't never going to Shut no your <laughs> mouth. They better get one for cinematography. No, but they might get one for technical. I mean, you know, Well, the technical. fight scenes in there are Oscar worthy, man. Yeah, no good fight. Fight choreography is an Oscar, isn't it? I, I, maybe I think it, it is, might maybe be it is Emmy. I think they have that more for like TV shows. Yeah, anyway. The fuck, fuck the Oscars anyway. 12 white, white men. men. Coming this summer. Oh no, you're Eddie Izzard, bitch. Oh Ed, yeah, no, yeah. stand up com- stand up comedian. I don't know. He's acting seen... too, though. Like... No, no, for sure, for sure, for sure. And a political activist, I'm sure. Oh, he was for Monty Python. Was he? That's what it See, says here. Yeah, oh no, that... his biggest influence was my. Monty okay, Python. I'm like, yeah, he ain't that fucking. I'm old. sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, but no, he he does a lot of shit. Like he used to have a he used to have a fucking show. I don't know. Yeah, he's a fucking fascinating fucking actor, man. All right, so well, now that shit's all anticlimactic. No, no, you know, no. Like, it's what. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, I, did, good I didn't want to lie to the people and not understand uh, who this human being was. I will look him up, and I bet you some other people didn't know who he was either. So, you know, that. we're just out here. You ready to do some fuck yous and shout outs? This, this shout episode outs. is absurd. It's truly absurd how dope we have been as, as Leos. We're just killing it right it's now. That's true. That's true. Yo, and it's about to be our season, right? That's why, you know, we have to cap it here. Because you motherfuckers definitely couldn't handle us in full power of Leo season. Fuck you. Fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, and fuck you, I'm out. So first of all, since we mentioned Tom Cruise, and you know how I feel, he's one of my favorite white men actors, and you know, so I need to go ahead and give a big fuck you, and really a caution, a caution to the Biebs, Justin Bieber, who called out Tom Cruise, and like, I think literally 
added the UFC and Dana White. Like, how now can he I ta- fight? He added Dana. Yeah, he straight up did. Like, can we? First of all, you know it'll never happen. But the, honestly, I really wish Tom Cruise would just be like, all right. You know who jumped on that shit, though? Who? Danny DeVito. He's like, fight me, you little bitch. <laughs> Yo, Danny DeVito's been coming up a lot, huh? Yeah, but a big fuck you to Justin Bieber. It's just like, why, bruh? Shut up. Why don't you You have all this fame and like you wouldn't, literally are still cloud chasing? Wouldn't you pay, though, to really oh, watch him? Get, I would. Because I'm going to be honest with you, bruh. Tom Cruise may be short, but uh, I think uh, therein lies the fury. I think Tom Cruise... Would beat the shit out of Justin Bieber, bro. And I would pay $100 to watch. Yeah, and I think it's... Well, think about how difficult it is to do your own stunts. Think about how difficult it is to be a stuntman, period. And the fact that not only are you putting all this emotional effort into being an actor, which I think he does. I think he's like a true actor in that way. And then also be like, okay, I'm going to do all my own stunts, bro. There's a fight IQ and there's a physicality and like... A will in Tom Cruise that does not exist in, in Justin Bieber. No, so I would no. definitely do that. So fuck Justin Bieber and fuck every piece of music he's ever done or featured on in any regard. Yeah, you call that shit music? You're right. It isn't. It's not music. It's some other shit. And I have one more fuck you. I'm going to give it a little context. Do you remember when we were talking about the Sackler Museum and uh, the Sackler family being involved with the uh, organization called Tyson who created Oxycontin? Okay. So I... Being the museum lover that I am, went to the new dinosaur exhibit that exists at the Natural History Museum. It is really dope. They've been working on it for like almost two years now, and it just opened up this weekend. And I went in there, and it's totally like half the exhibit is about climate change. Like, And I was so impressed that they made it so intensely focused on climate change and how we're affecting the planet and, and the things that we can do to help it. And just while I was finishing the exhibit, walking right out the door, it said, you know, of course, this exhibit is made possible by so-and-so, so-and-so. The first name that was on there, it was David Koch of the Koch brothers. Brother, Koch brothers are wild in that. The whole Koch family, right? Because, like, not only, okay, so you have the climate change and and, um, them being, you know, cool magnates. I'll take you one up, bro. They are some of the biggest investors in the GEO group, which is essentially human slavery, all of the people that are making the prisons. And guess what? Do you know that they used to have a music label? Coke Entertainment. Wow. It was a rap label with nothing but the most gangster motherfuckers of all time talking about selling drugs, selling drugs, selling drugs. Now, Wait, this is not Koch, right? K-O-C-H. Wait, was Koch Records Coke Records? Yeah. That's their wait, family name. That's Col- their wait, 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 wait. Koch Records that was supposed to be giving seven dollars. Okay, hold on, hold on. You just fucked my brain up. Yeah, is this the same Koch Records where everyone was dumping to go to because they said you got seven dollars a record? Do you remember that? Yeah. Whoa, bro, you just threw me down. Speaking of Alice in Wonderland, bro, you just threw me down a real rabbit hole. Yeah, man. Damn, bro, how do you you opened up a f- bang, bro? You opened up a can of worms here on the shoutouts. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So think about that, right? Yeah, Coke and Koch Entertainment, uh, the record label. So let's look. Some of the people that they had on there. Uh, they had the locks on, did they have the locks on there at some point? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, a ton of people, bro. A ton of people. Ray J was on there. Uh, let's see. I mean, not that, you know, this is a super gangster motherfucker. Hey, but... man, Ray J got a little, a little clout, man. Come on. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, to me, I thought that was super fascinating in that. They're literally creating a culture which creates more people that will go to jail, which is funding 
their profits because of their investments in organizations like GEO. This is what truly horrific, evil type shit looks like. So, yeah, I'll double up on that. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it. They're like a, a micro. They're like almost a tangible aspect of the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, we're going to have to do some research. Yeah, Koch, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So that's a whole other human beings that are listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> just to let you know, my mind, the the mind explode emoji is like sort of existing right that's on top of what me right now. We do. Ooh, you just really blew my yeah, mind, there, man. buddy. So my fuck you, damn, is so many. The one that we're gonna end the season with. <sighs> Get really go in, man. I'm supporting you in all regards. My fuck you goes to the Democratic Congress that has found, okay, Bill Barr in contempt of court, just like Chelsea Manning, whereas Chelsea Manning is in contempt and automatically sent back to solitary confinement, the Democratic Congress has told the, 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 what is he, the secretary, uh, the, what is it? The attorney general? The attorney general has told him, we're going to hold you in, and procedural contempt, but we're not going to pursue that on any criminal. Bro, if I'm not going to go to jail, what the fuck do I care? Oh, you were holding me in contempt. Woo. What's holding somebody in contempt? Woo. You don't like me? I know you motherfuckers don't like me. Hold I don't me. fucking like you. I mean, basically, we're being held in contempt right now. You know what I'm saying? I would say that they if have you contempt willing, for us. If you ain't willing to send a motherfucker to jail, fuck your procedural so fucking insults. It's, it insults me as a fucking American that wants to see a president not have unlimited fucking power to see the quote-unquote yeah. Party of opposition making stupid as fuck procedural fucking things that only matter to you guys. They don't matter to real Americans. If you're telling me these guys are your fucking enemies and you have the power literally to put them in jail for not upholding the fucking law like it would happen for me, like it would happen for you. Fuck y'all. They do that because when inevitably they are caught with the type of corruption that they exist in. They don't have to be holier than thou. They don't have to be like, they don't have to come from that hypocritical place of like. But the irony is the Republicans would still hit them with the fucking brick. Yeah, they're so, they're so ridiculous. Uh, let's do some shout outs. All right, let's do some shout outs. Uh, I got my, I want to give a huge shout out to the OG council, my, my bros, OGB, Sage Mo, Baba Herb. Like I see y'all on your movement right now. Like, you know, like we got so much love and respect for y'all, like just young human beings, you know what I'm saying, trying to get rid of that toxic masculinity while still existing in this matrix world and like being brave in the way that you are. I applaud you and I'm so excited to see what y'all about to do next. I want to give a huge shout out to possibly our biggest supporter, Lauren Bullock, our just number one homie the fucking who is homies. straight up always hitting me up, talking to me about things in the podcast, making stuff for our Instagram, showing me different things. Like I can't even tell you like how motivated i am like to have you as a friend and yeah, i appreciate man. you and i look up to you as a human being you're inspirational to me i want to give a big shout out to uh kim marshall who's always another one of our huge you know biggest yeah. fans though the, the homie homie and uh of course i'm just incredibly blessed um to have an incredible co-host and facts, uh, facts. and i hope every single motherfucker that we name comes to the poetry in the park picnic it's something for us 
by us, right? Now, it's probably going to be some people to step up and try to help some organizations, but I really don't want this to be about organizations. I want this to be about people power. I don't want to see the 15 nonprofits in fucking D.C. that are associated with poetry trying to brand this shit because this ain't for them. This is for us. They invited, but this is for us. So if you're a poet, if you're an activist, if you're in the D.C. area, man, get at us. You know where we at. Poetry in the Park Picnic, that's happening this fucking summer, man. Uh, uh, just a day of sun up to sundown, fellowship, kicking it with each other, sharing poems, sharing stories, and getting to know each other because there's so many of us and we all so fucking dope and like we all in different circles. And you know what I'm saying? We need a circle where like the academic poets are there, the political poets are there, the slam poets are there, the spoken word poets, maybe the youth poets if they want to come and kick it. You know, everybody just out here having food, having fun, and people who like fellowship. poetry, you know what I'm saying? People who like it, who are in, who in enjoy it you know who, who want to be you know a part of it i feel like sometimes every time like a lot of times when people became like fans of poetry it's almost like hey you should write too hey you should do those things too but some people are just like connoisseurs of local art you know what i mean so shout out to all the connoisseurs of local art i mean you are more than welcome to y'all be part are not of it too. uninvited but again who was it who's the basketball player that was like fuck the fans um who was that oh god i don't know was that iverson I think it was fuck the fans. No, Iverson would never. No, it was. I think it was Spreewell. Spreewell could. It might have been. Yeah, I think (laughs) it was Spreewell. Fuck the fans. Like this ain't really for y'all, man. Y'all are not uninvited. But I want a space that's really primarily for artists to have fellowship. Okay, we don't have to worry about creating content. Y'all, again, man. Y'all, your bitch asses out. At least write a fucking poem. (laughs) You better. Hey, I don't give a fuck if it's on a napkin, yo. I always wanted to be a poem. It's heavy, right? On a napkin. Yeah, on a napkin. My uh, my shout out goes to the uh, again, man. We talk about voting, and voting is important. But I say again, the greatest uh, civil virtue that you can do, the greatest civil duty that comes from the state, is serving in juries, right? So shout out to all of the juries, uh, the jury people that uh, voted not to convict Scott Warren, who is a humanitarian who was on trial. Forget this, providing water. And shelter for migrant families crossing in the desert, people that might die otherwise. This guy who is giving them water and shelter like a fucking human being should, he was facing 20. He was staring down the barrel of 20. It's only because of a hung jury, somebody in that fucking jury was like, there's no way I can evict a There's human being. no fucking On way. On a spiritual, personal, humane level, I cannot in good conscience, convict this man. Thank thank you, human being, for you know existing. So know. if Scott Warren is the MVP, hey, you motherfuckers is going to the Pro Bowl, too. Yeah, facts. It's been a great season. I think we learned a lot, right? Yeah. I think maybe we learned a lot from each other. We learned a lot from our audience. And, uh, you know, we learned a lot from ourselves. I had a, I had a blast. We'll be back. I promise, y'all. We will be back. So you know, until that time. You know, stay crispy, y'all. Stay live. Yeah, do that. <laughs>